Hello and welcome to Borders, Beers, and Bros. My name is Peter and I'm joined by Patrick Phillip and special guest Savan. And we are just four geography nuts drinking beers and sharing memories about traveling the world. Today we'll be covering the country of Cyprus, a Mediterranean island nation on the edge of Europe, cornered by Turkey, Syria, and Lebanon. The southern half of the island is a Greek-speaking EU member state, and most of the world recognizes its authority over the entirety of the island, with the exception of two British overseas territories, Akrotiri and Deakali. The northern half of the island is home to the disputed northern Cyprus, home to a Turkish-speaking population and many Turkish military offices. We have been lucky enough to have visited both sides of this country altogether in 2018 and were able to see Larnaca, Nicosia, Limassol, Ayanapa, Kormakati, and Agros. This podcast will focus on these six locations and the variety of experiences we've had there. To start off, I think, Patrick, do you want to talk about what we did when we got there? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'll also talk a little bit pre. So we went from, we traveled, we took a flight from Serbia and we got to Larnaca Airport. It was probably like 2, 3 a.m. And right off the bat, the stories began because we're sitting in the airport in Serbia and my mom finds out that they drive on the opposite side of the street in Cyprus compared to, you know, in America and stuff, the British style. And she decides four hours before we get there that she wants us to change our whole plan and not get a rental car and take buses everywhere. And to this day, I don't, I don't, she probably won't listen to this podcast, but to this day, she doesn't know that we drove. So if she listens to this, she'll find out by hearing this. So anyways, oh, yeah, we did not change our plans four hours before after planning it for months. So we get there um, at 2, 3 in the morning. And our Airbnb in Larnaca wasn't opening until, uh, I think it was, what, 2 p.m., 3 p.m.? Around that time. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. So we were like, okay, we got to do something just to pass the time. We found, we really, you know, before we go in, we're looking at places to see. The one place we found on Google was a place called Agros. I'm not saying it was ugly, but it was, it was very, it wasn't like, it wasn't a sight to see. It was just, it was a random village in the mountains of Cyprus. Um, but the good thing about but the mountains were nice. Yeah, they were. They were. It, it was a nice area for sure. It was just kind of random. It was a random area. But the good thing about it was it was on the way to the highest peak, the highest point of Cyprus, which I'll talk about more in detail, called Mount Olympus, which is also the highest peak in Greece. But the one in Greece is much higher. So yeah, so we, we get our car, we're going up to this mountain. It took me a little bit to get adjusted to the other side of the road, but it really wasn't that bad. Peter proceeded to sleep for like the rest of that part of the day. Phil did, did a good job of staying awake. Couldn't do yeah. that. Phil did a good job of staying awake. So yeah, nothing, nothing, nothing crazy there. And then we, before we get to, before we get to the top of the mountain, we, sorry, before that, actually, I'll talk about Agros. So we stopped at this place called Agros, and it was just a small town, very narrow roads. So it was cool, you know, kind of, kind of some nice views. But then we're like on the middle of this slope, and the car decides it doesn't want to start. We got out, take pictures. We get back in the car, it's just not starting. So that was a little bit nerve wracking. We got it to go in the end. So then we keep going up this mountain. And we stop at this like hotel. It's like a resort hotel place because Peter typically can't function if he doesn't have coffee or food, and he didn't have either. So we just, you know, it's probably better that we stop for all of our sakes because we still had like. Yep, I, I still, was getting to that point. <laughs> we still have like eight hours to go before we yeah. get to our Airbnb. So we stop at this place. It's very, you know, just we're the only people there for probably the first half. Second half, this this old woman comes in. Oh, not not too old. But, you know, she comes in and she's kind of sitting there and she's not really saying anything. 
but Peter's a very loud individual, and it was 7 in the morning. So, you know, you can probably presume she maybe wasn't that thrilled to be hearing him speaking. So that was that. No, no, I think I made her very angry. Yeah, I mean, th- yeah. That, that'll be discussed shortly. So we, we go to leave the place just to go to hit the top of the mountain. It was cool. Good views. They have a military base up there, which you obviously you can't get into. But you can actually go right up to it. Uh, we didn't get that close because we were kind of worried what would happen if we got too close. And the, uh, and the skiing area as well up there. Yes. Which is pretty cool. Yes. There's, yeah, there's a skiing area up there. So yeah, it was a nice, it was a nice area. It's cool. So we begin to descend down the mountain. And then my dad sends me a message saying that Cyprus is not included in my data plan for maps. So ah, that's not good. I was like, hey, we'll just go back to this hotel and get the Wi-Fi, download the maps. That'll be good. So I get back down to the mountain, to the hotel, and I hear the woman that was there in the kitchen, well, not the kitchen, (laughs) in the dining room while we were eating, talking to one of the hostesses, and she mentioned she was Armenian. Now, we have a lot of Armenians in Lebanon, and I'm Lebanese, me and Phil are Lebanese, and I guess Savan is Lebanese, he's here, so his own type of Lebanese. So, so I was like, oh, so you're Armenian, like, like you know, where are you from, like, from where? And she goes, Lebanon. I was like, oh, I'm Lebanese, and we start taking, yes, the best kind. Yeah, and the best we, we started talking in Arabic, and then I sat outside to download my maps, and her and her husband decided to sit with me, and we just started talking about Lebanon and Armenia the whole time. And then she started asking about the dynamic of our group. She's like, you know, who's who? Who's from New Lebanese, blah, blah, blah. And I told, I told her, it was at this time, Savon wasn't with us yet. So it was just me, Phil, and Peter. I mentioned to her that Phil's Lebanese, I'm Lebanese, and Peter's not Lebanese. And she was like, let me guess, the, the super loud guy with glasses wasn't Lebanese one. And I was like, yeah. And then she just starts going off on Peter. Just talking about how he's just so obnoxious, so loud. So annoying, blah, blah, blah. I loved it. I was, I was all for it. I was agreeing with her. I was definitely not defending Peter. And Peter and Phil were in the car waiting uh, while I was doing this because it took a long time in the end. We, we wasn't anticipating that. So they just stayed in the car. Yeah, it was, it was, it was very fun. And I, she, it was in not general, fun. Besides, it was not, I, I want to jump in here. It was, it was not fun to hear that. And I did not appreciate it. It wasn't fun to hear it, but you weren't there. I know. I heard it afterwards. It's awful. Uh, it's okay. So... Yeah, yeah. So besides besides that, like she was actually very informative. Like she told me a lot about Cyprus. She told me a lot about the dynamic with Armenians in Cyprus compared to like Greek Orthodox in Cyprus. That the Greek Orthodox is like the typical, uh, you know, sect of of religion there. You have the Armenian Orthodox and kind of like their rivalry. I mean, that was interesting for sure. Good, good, good cultural slash, you know, just good experience. Good, got got some good information from her. But my maps were just not downloading, so we just had to leave. Because it was just taking up too much time at that point. So we ended up getting to Limassol essentially, or not Limassol, to Larnaca essentially on like, just reading signs. So I will say the signage in Cyprus is very good. Like it, 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 you could definitely get pretty far with just reading signs. And that's what we had to do for the most part. And then we get to this beach. It was, I liked it. Phil and Peter commented on the sketch. What was it called, uh, Peter? It was called Mazotos Beach. Yeah, it's, it, uh, I thought it was fine. I don't know. The, the, wa- the water wasn't very clear. And whatever was with those, uh, we had, there was two like porta potties there. And those were ungodly. Those were the two <laughs> most disgusting places I've ever seen in my life. 
It looked like someone had put them there maybe in the late 90s and then never cleaned them out. Just waited for that stuff to decompose. So I think Phil can comment on these uh, experiences as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so it's not the it's not what you're going to get at Ayanapa and, uh, you know, Limassol and Larnaca, like all these resort type cities. That's like really nice. But the nicest thing about it was that there was like almost no one there and it was very quiet. So if you know that you're someone who appreciates, you know, maybe a, a, a less developed but more peaceful beach with like less people there, then that, that would definitely be the spot for you. But yeah, it it did seem like it was just sort of like a we made a beach for the people of this region. Like it's not it's not known as a beach town, so you you really shouldn't go there as like the beach destination. And for I mean, for me, it kind of felt like it's empty for a reason. There was a reason why it was. It's not a hidden gem by any means. It's not like oh, this new undiscovered place no one's been to before. I think people have been there and they left. So anyway. Yeah, I mean, as as we did after, we, we, yeah, we, we had our time there. It was fine. Yeah, I, I was gonna, I was gonna, just gonna ask. I, I, so we're we're here with Savan now, and he likes to swim in like pretty black water himself. So, you know, in Maine, he would jump in like the blackest of waters. He, he's a he's a big swimmer. So, I just wonder if Savan would have enjoyed the the beach. We'll never know. I'm sure I would have, especially now during the coronavirus. We really understand the importance of having access to pristine beaches and lakes nearby it's exactly what we were all thinking <laughs> um, that's fair though uh, but yeah so it wasn't too far away from larnica at that point we get to larnica our airbnb is open all is great we don't really we just kind of chill that day and then king savon gets to larnica that night this is this is where the fun begins so we pick up savon from the airport which is about 10 and i'll and i'll definitely jump in at, at the foot. oh sure by all means please yeah go ahead so I arrived in Cyprus from Lebanon because it was more prudent to take a to buy a round trip flight from New York to Lebanon and take a separate place in Cyprus. So I arrived in Lebanon and at that point I had picked up my luggage and checked in for my Cyprus flight and I had a few hours in between arrival and takeoff and I waited in the visitors lounge. And once I arrived to Cyprus, it was a little late at night and I saw my friends and we went home, we went to the Airbnb, which was in close proximity to the airport, about 10 minutes. And I proceed to go through my luggage to change so we can go out. And I realized I had taken the wrong luggage. And we hurry back to the airport. And also, also... You took the wrong luggage in, Cyprus, in Lebanon. Let's just, let's just make that clear. In right? Lebanon, but that was, not, that was not obvious yet. So yeah, I, yes. I remember this clearly because we just got in our Airbnb. Peter and Patrick were on our balcony on our airbnb in cyprus like oh my god bro like i i don't know what you guys are talking about but i imagine like this is dope what a great view i'm in the, i'm inside the room with my man savon and i just see you can just tell when you see someone's face there's like few things that you know he he his face just screamed i messed up he opened up this suitcase just looked at me and i was like what's up he's like this this really is not my suitcase and this man just and the suitcase was full of suits, like you said. So you probably just, some dude was probably going to Lebanon, had a bunch of interviews and meetings. And he probably had to go to like Burj Hamoud and buy like 20% discounted suits to, to make to make do. And I opened it twice. <laughs> they, were, they were decent suits. They were decent. <laughs> Weren't they, boss? And They were good suits nonetheless. No, were they? Or were All they right. Joseph Aboud? Or, I don't know. 
So then we hurry back to the airport, and surprisingly, the Supreme authorities were extremely helpful. And I reported my luggage was missing, and I returned the previous luggage. And I returned back to the apartment, and we make do with the night. Well, kind of. Kind of. Because we had to take you back and forth three times from the airport to our place. Yes. And on the third and final return trip, it's late. I'm not used to driving in tight spaces. I already had done it well in the village, but I ended up hitting the car. Patrick, that was not that day. That was another day. No, it was not. That was that day. That was the same night we got you. It was on our last return trip. I really trip. don't think it so. It was but... 100%. A thousand percent. A million percent. I was the one who was driving. I can literally show you the day that I called sixth car rental company and the day we picked you up if you want. We can do that after, though. Not for this, but not in the middle okay. of this podcast. But it was on our third and final trip returning home from your dangalachness and uh i hit the car and i was I, I i had i had like we had insurance on it but like i was already nervous because my parents didn't know i was driving it so the last thing we needed or i needed was for them for some reason for it not to be covered and my parents finding out but it was covered in the end so it was fine and that'll come up later though because the whole, the whole backside was kind of like messed up um, so that'll, that, that backside of the car will come up later in this podcast, but yeah, so that's it. And then the next day came and we, where did we go? Is that, we did go to Nicosia next to the next day? Yes. Okay. So whoever wants to take it over. Yeah, sure. I think I, I'll, uh, I'll jump in here. So we get to Nicosia Nicosia, for those who don't know, is split into two. So you have a, a Greek speaking Cypriot side, the EU Cyprus. And then the other side is the Turkish Cyprus side with a UN border in between. Similar to how Berlin was during the Cold War. This is how Nicosia is today. And we parked, we found a lot, random lot. I think we, we had all thought that the city was going to be a little more bustling, lifelike, capital city. It really was not. It was a rather quiet city. There were some nice, nice walkways where you could walk around and go shopping. Lots of American fast food stands. We walked around there for a bit, but we, we knew we wanted to go and that this was our opportunity to go to a place called Kormakati, which is in Turkish Cyprus, which Patrick and Philip will explain more about. But we decided to cross the border and we had to give our passports in on the one side, the UN uh, to the UN border, and then cross and go and get our passports back at the other side of the Turkish Cyprus side. And that was very interesting. I think it was an experience for everybody. No one had ever crossed a border by foot in that way before. Uh, and then you go to Turkish Cyprus, Nicosia, and it is a totally different city. The, the one side, the, on the Greek side, Nicosia looks like a quieter Mediterranean city, but you don't really think anything of it. Could be Greece, it could be yeah, some, some Adriatic kind of city. But the Turkish Cyprus side, you definitely saw immediately. This has definitely Turkish influences with the architecture. Also the switch from having uh, churches on one side to having mosques on the other side. And also food that was being offered was more Turkish food, not, not the Greek Cypriot kind of food as well. So it was, it was quite a big difference. And honestly, I was first reminded of kind of like Indiana Jones. We walked down our street. There's no cars, no nothing. There's some kids that run out of a building and then run back in and they were playing soccer. And then the whole place was empty and we passed some really nice buildings, but just no one was there. It was very confusing for us. Anybody, 
Anybody have a have a comment on uh, and remember that street walking on it? Yeah, I do because I remember that the call to prayer occurred. I thought that you were your your brain transplanted to like a new dimension. You were like, oh my God, Patrick, Philip, I've, ne I've never heard this before. <laughs> and me and Patrick were like, yep, yeah, it's it's just the call to prayer. You were like, yalla. It was my it was my first time in a a Muslim area of a of a country, so I never had heard that before. No, but I, I, yeah, I, with with me is like the you could immediately tell the difference when you crossed over sides and I, I, like the border thing is unique. You don't, you don't like you said you don't really there's not many experiences where you walk through a border and you have to give a pass. But like the, there was a robust border check with like you know almost like Turkish border agents uh, checking your passport and stuff. So just crazy to me that if people who actually live in Nicosia permanently and they want to go back and forth between two sides would have to go through that process every single time. But, and I'm sure you'll talk about this, but you know, about like when we walked, we just continue to walk around Nicosia on the Turkish side and we're just taking, like we did with our entire journey, we're just trying to, trying to take pictures of different buildings and all the cool architecture we saw. One experience did not go so well when we took a picture of a certain building. Do you want to touch on that? Yeah, so we we saw this building. It was probably the, the nicest, cleanest building on the on the Turkish side of Nicosia. There was a lot of stuff that was, was older, really nice architecture, but just wasn't kept up that nicely. But we passed this palatial-looking building, and we said, okay, all right, let's take a picture here. Then uh, immediately this van stops. People come out, and they go right up to us. And they're they're really saying, oh, can you please delete that picture? Well, actually, well, well, it wasn't that nice. I'm saying that nicer was, than it was. It was more and like delete that off, photo. And this this just adds to like the, I guess the the weirder aspect of it. I don't think the van was moving. It was a it was a parked van, and they just got out of the sliding doors of the van. It was a white van parked, and then all of a sudden, when we took the photo, three guys jump out and come in our face, telling us what you know who who are we. Pretty sure they asked if we were in the military, why we took the photo, and all this sort of stuff, and pretty much told us we have to delete it. And I deleted it right away. I think some of you didn't delete it because they didn't think that you guys took it. Maybe Patrick. So I, I, I swear I thought I did. But then whenever we were going for pictures to post, it was just there. So uh, I don't, I, that was weird. I, I really thought I did, but apparently I didn't. So I do have a picture of it. Then... So that, that was quite an uncomfortable experience. I think that was the first time like, we've really gotten yelled by foreign police officers in a in more of a frightening kind of way before. Speak for yourself. Okay, Savannah, please jump in. No, it's very common in the Middle East. People are very suspicious. And especially if they don't want to just be taken out government buildings for security purposes. Especially in the Levant, there are concerns of terrorist attacks on government buildings. So they're very in implementing a no photo policy but then after we had that encounter with turkish security services we were actually we were actually hurrying across various streets to try to find a rental car to take us to so we were still in nicosia but we wanted to go further inland into turkish cyprus and we had a great deal of difficulty finding a rental car they had minimum amount of days and we um for rental and we only wanted to rent it for the day for a few hours and so we opted to go. So in many Turkish cities, there are large cab um, cab stands, and so a certain person or a certain business will have will own 
up to 100 taxis. And there's various drivers that wait at the taxi stand waiting for clients to either call them or people to approach them. And we approached that company and we explained that we wanted to go to a certain village in northern Cyprus about an hour out from Nicosia. And we arranged a deal and one of the drivers proceeded to take us to northern Cyprus, inland of northern Cyprus, to a Maronite village in the north. And once you, and I think not even just in Nicosia, but when we enter northern Cyprus, it's markedly different than the architecture, the feel of the territory is very different than Greek Cyprus. It's clearly a little less developed. And the architecture is reminiscent of the large building blocks built in Turkish cities as well. But it was very interesting. There were quite a few military bases as well. And there's quite a few. There's actually, there was actually a decent amount of new development. And a great deal of Turks flocked to northern Cyprus to actually partake in gambling because gambling is outlawed in Turkey. And so we did see a lot of new hotels and new condominiums. One odd thing, as I proceeded to speak to our taxi driver, it became obvious I speak Turkish in an accent and we discussed how I was Armenian. And the driver was a bit inquisitive and he wanted to know um, of any Armenian bookstores. And I was not aware Cyprus does have a small Armenian community and there was actually a prominent Armenian boarding school that closed down approximately a decade ago in, in Nicosia. And there are Armenian communities in Nicosia, Larnaca, and Limassol. But I said, no, you know, most Armenian large bookstores are either probably located in Istanbul or in Beirut, Lebanon. And he made it clear that he was interested in finding buried Armenian gold. And this has been a major problem in the Turkish mainland for many years, is that after the Armenian genocide, the Anatolia is littered with old Armenian churches and Armenian cemeteries that have been neglected. And they are vandalized by Turkish so-called treasure hunters that believe that when Armenians had, were deported during the genocide and massacred, they had buried their gold underground with in hope that they would one day return to their lost villages. So that's been a major problem. Just a few months ago, actually, the Armenian cemetery in Ankara was desecrated by looters as well. And so he had asked me where I could, he could find books with the hope that he could also retrieve this coveted Armenian gold, which was a bit odd. But we safely made it to northern Cyprus, um, the village of the Maronite villages in northern Cyprus. And the Maronite, there's a cluster of Maronite villages in the northwest of Cyprus. And after the 74 partition of Cyprus, many of the Maronites fled south, as did a lot of many Christian communities, not only Greeks, but Armenians as well, too the Greek portion of Cyprus. But there is still a Maronite community in those villages, and but it's a smaller community, and unfortunately, it's a very endangered community. The remnants are composed of elderly citizens, and it's not, and they are, they do have some initiatives to maintain the Maronite culture, and they did receive certain money from the EU to renovate a few buildings, but it's not clear how viable these communities are in the next 50, 100 years. And maybe Phil and Patrick want to take this up because I unfortunately was a bit busy during our visit and I was on the phone call trying to, to retrieve my luggage while we were visiting this Maronite village. It's off to you guys. Phil, before you, before you discuss, Phil, do you want to say what a Maronite is? You know, we're assuming that everybody knows what a Maronite is. But so if you would like to... I think I'm the expert on Maronites. Some of you actually... I, like, I, I think we'll have to talk about it considering isn't it? That's actually a really good point. So Maronites is just a, a sect of Catholicism. It's, a, you, know, a, you know, a majority of Christians in, in Lebanon are Maronite. I guess there's not many differences people don't, people don't know, but you know, obviously Maronites still, you know, follow the Pope, so to speak. So that's fine. But yeah, it, the best way of describing it almost is just 
you know, as Eastern Catholics, you know, thought to be very devout Catholics. My priest back at home in Mississippi actually likes to think that we are, you know, present day martyrs. So, you know, that's, I guess, with the Coptics as well, but they're Orthodox, so a little different. But I guess that's the, not to get too deep into it, though, those are just what Maronites are in Lebanon. And if Savan wanted to add anything else, feel free, our, our Maronite expert. I think you hit it on the nail. Oh, there you go. Thank you. But just to quickly add as well, arriving in this Maronite village was it was both like very interesting and also sad because we got there immediately. And like I think uh, Savan mentioned, they were pretty much all old. So very much in need of you know money, maybe some youth to, to keep this community going. But everyone was extremely nice. I remember we got there. I tried to speak. We, we stopped at a little small market to ask. I think we asked the question, I forget what the question was, maybe like if, if the priest was there or if, you know, if they had any recommendations of what we should see. And I, the language they spoke was, wasn't Turkish, but it wasn't Arabic. So I, I, I don't want to say it was Aramaic, but it's very old Arabic. So you can tell seclusion, the village being so secluded had a toll on the language. They haven't like learned anything else. And then when we spoke with the priest later, me and Patrick, we spoke to the priest in Arabic. He told us that they speak a very old version of Arabic. And so, um, and it was nice to see that the Maronite church still sends a priest. And he was the priest, he was the priest that was stationed there to still hold mass in their, in the beautiful church of, I think, St. George, St. George Cathedral, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then they also took us to the priest, pretty much invited us to his home, which is adjacent to the, which is adjacent to the church. And he offered us, you know, tea and coffee, which was very hospitable. And then he walked us around, gave us a little tour of the village, as well as the Benaye Kelise, which was the one. He told us it was like one of the oldest churches. And he may have said it was the oldest church monastery in all of Cyprus or something. I, you know, I don't want to, I'm not sure 100%, but it was extremely old. And if you look up photos of it, it's, it's a very, very old place. And so when we arrived there, we saw two ladies upkeeping the place and, and lighting candles and and it was it was a very holy place for sure. So if you're into any type of you know religious travel or you know pilgrimage of any sort, then this is definitely a spot that should be on your radar. But I remember it sort of as a last story, we got together with like a lot of the people in the town. It was like six or seven of them, and they were just so excited that people had come to visit them. I, I mean, I think people do visit the town, but. Uh, you know, when people go to Cyprus, they gen generally just go to Ayanapa and more to those beach resorts, um, especially people from Lebanon. They don't really have an interest in sort of that cultural travel so and tourism. So they were very, very excited to see new people and especially young people. Um, you know, if you're interested in anything like that, I would I would highly recommend. I think everyone else here would, too. Yeah. I mean, I do think a big problem is that Lebanese people, I don't know if they, they think about this, but I, d definitely at least subconsciously. Uh, when they want, when they travel to Cyprus, they want to go relax and sit on the beach and, and sort of get away from like a divided country, sectarian country where you see, you know, divisions so in your face. So I don't think that going to a Maronite village in, in you know, in a Turkish occupied Cyprus, I don't know if they're literally thinking about that, but at the least, I don't think that they're. I think that can have a toll on them. They just want to go and not think about that stuff for maybe a weekend or, or a week or two weeks or so. But I mean, I do wish that they were more interested in going to those places, but I, I can't say I blame them for not. Yeah, I know that. Yeah. I mean, definitely highlighted the situation there really well. So then after that, we would have driven back. We What was the next place we went to after Kormakiti? 
we just drove back to the Turkish side of, of northern of sorry the Turkish side of Nicosia and we went we had dinner there uh, and we went to a, a soccer jersey shop. I think it was the realest fake jerseys I've ever seen in my life, and I still remember how much it was. So I believe for twenty euros you could you could buy one of the jerseys, and they were again you couldn't tell. That they were not the real deal. I mean, it had it still had the logo. It had all the patterns. It had like the color. Usually, some of the fake jerseys like drop. Uh, you know, the quality of color. It's like a lighter shade when it should be a darker shade. But any jersey. So I remember I bought like two or three jerseys because I was like, I might as well. And I know I think Patrick bought a jersey. Peter, you may have bought a jersey. Savon didn't. Savon did not buy a jersey. Although he is the biggest soccer fan in our group, which was a little weird to me. Yeah, I bought one too. Did, did Savan buy our? Is that where you bought your I Love Cyprus T-shirt, Savan? Because Savan, remember, doesn't have clothes at this point in time. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. Yeah, Savan, when did you get your flip flops and the I Love Cyprus T-shirt and the bathing suit? Something that's slightly touched upon and what we're discussing is also the neglected consequences of the division of the island. Because what has occurred is, especially in this context, is that many of the former denizens of these Maronite villages and other minority communities have had to flee northern Cyprus after the Turkish occupation of the north. And what has happened is it's created a, it's created a separation where now, for example, the special dialect of Maronite Arabic in Northern Cyprus is now endangered because of that. Because now youth and the brunt of that community lives in Southern Cyprus outside of their native villages where they've adopted Greek as their main language. And also there are various monasteries dotted across the North that are no longer accessible and are controlled by the Turkish military. So that does show the neglected consequences of this rupture and of this continued division of the island. Definitely some good points, Savan. Moving forward, talking about the rest of that day, I believe that we drove back to Larnaca in the evening, and I think I think we I think this is the night that we tried the McGreek or what, what was that called, Phil? Do you remember? McGyro. The McGyro. Very good. Very good. It was very good. The Cypriot specialty, the McGyro. Believe? Do we also go into the water, Savan? Me and you? If I remember correctly, you guys did. It was very late, though. It couldn't. It was so dark, you couldn't see anything. That's that's why I did not go. I think Patrick was there. But we went in the water, right, Savan? In towels, and I think Phil, you proceeded to dry yourself with the umbrella. <laughs> oh yes. I did go in. We dried ourselves with umbrellas. That definitely happened, and it it was cold. It was cold. It was cold because we had just gotten out, but the water wasn't fine. Well, it was pretty windy as well. I remember having to dry ourselves with umbrellas. It was pretty windy, but no, yeah, that that yeah, yeah. that place had a great. So the McDonald's was pretty much. It was like a pier almost, and there you know there was different places to eat at, and obviously the McDonald's had like the a prime location. Yep. Overlooking this beach and water, so that was a that was a very uh, special night there. Yeah, yeah. This place is called the Fini Kudis Beach area in Larnaca. It's really right in the downtown. It's quite interesting. Um, I mean, we'll talk about it Lima so later, but they also have a beach right in there downtown, and kind of the drip of where all things are in the city is really close to the beach. So then 
our next day uh, was more, well, we tried to do a beach day. So we went to Ayanapa. This is a popular beach destination for Russians. A lot of Russians there. We saw flags, the people, even the people that were working at the establishments, also Russians. So very interesting, very different from where we were staying in Larnaca, where it seemed there was mostly Cypriot people. It wasn't, especially at the time of year that we went in June, it wasn't that touristy. So it felt more or less like everyday life there. And Ayanapo was totally beach, resort, town, destination kind of place. And me and Patrick. And, uh, Peter, did you? I was just going to say, did you want to talk about why, you know, the reason why so many Russians flock to Cyprus in general? Yeah. So in Cyprus, you can buy your citizenship. I mean, they don't like to call it that, but it's not not that. Uh, so essentially, if you invest 500,000 uh, euros into the country, it can qualify you to become a citizen of Cyprus. Uh, and this was done for a lot of reasons, mostly to just drive investment into the country after the financial crisis the cypriot banks were very badly hurt and they were very intensely involved in lots of different international financial schemes that all seemed to go south so cyprus pushing to get more money into the country also said okay so at least you'll, you'll get something for your money if maybe you don't get a return on investment at least you'll get a citizenship so and it's not just a regular citizenship remember cyprus is in the eu so you get an eu citizenship by investing in Cyprus. So a lot of Russian oligarchs have decided to do that. And they've become very popular. Their Ayanapa is just one of the locations that they seem to fancy for their vacations. As has become very popular over the last, I would say, 20, 20 some odd years. Cyprus is also a major offshore haven for Russian capital. That is also true at the Cypriot banks. So it's a very, very interesting financial and economic landscape Cyprus has. Oh, I'll talk about it more in Limassol, but Cyprus is also well known for their shipping industry. Very historic industry there, too. Uh, but me and Patrick, we were, I don't remember why we started fighting. I guess I didn't buy Patrick a beer. That was it. No, but I had a reason not to buy him a beer, 100%. But I don't know why we were so angry at each other, that I was being so mean to not buy him a beer. And it really exploded. And Patrick, you can keep no, jumping saying, on this. I'm just glad that we've made progress that you're admitting at your your fault at fault here. Because me and Peter historically are known to have our, our squabbles where we don't like to admit we are wrong. But, you know, it's it, it's good to hear Peter say he's wrong in the situation. But yeah, no, you pretty much. I mean, nobody nobody knows. Huh? I don't know if your fans need to know this about this incident. Why not? I don't know. It seems a little petty. You want to have an incident now, Savon? Bring it, Peter. And you know, yeah, so my take on this whole Carlsberg beer scandal, which by the way, Carlsberg is like the national beer, but it's really not because obviously it's Danish beer. But it's. Akio is the national beer. Yeah, but I, I never saw anyone drink. I never saw anyone drink anything but Carlsberg. So it has a lot of weight on the island. Clearly a very popular beer. And they brew it there. It's their first brewery not in Denmark for oh, Carlsberg. That, well, that makes a lot of sense there. There, there we go. Yeah, so it's a, it's a big beer. I remember the, the incidents between the fights was over. It, it, the beer we got was a, was a rather large can. It, it was a tall boy for sure. So me and Peter came back. We went and got some beers. And I think some, you know, the, it was like a souvenir shop. So it had like towels and sunglasses and stuff. And I don't remember what the fight was over. I'm pretty sure it was over like something really dumb. But yeah, I, I think it was just over something dumb. And then when Peter returned with, with only a beer for himself, 
that's when the fireworks shot off and yeah ah it was a classic peter patrick fight really and the the winners of those fights are usually the spectators i think me and Savan enjoyed that i mean once we do an episode on Serbia, we, I guess me and Patrick will get into, right before we went to Cyprus, me and Patrick actually got into a brawl in some alleyway in Belgrade. But it, it does need to be noted that that was more playful. We weren't, like, knocking his teeth out or anything. Yeah, like, no, yeah, it was 100% <laughs> it was playful. Definitely playful. Uh, I, I took the video, but if it was, if it, it, I took a video of that amazing fight, but if it was actually a fight, I would not have been taking a video. I would have been quickly the intermediary there. Um and remind me if I'm wrong, is that when we still had the cat in Serbia? No, 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 no. Catherine would never go there. <laughs> oh, okay. See, we already know that, see, I think those, that's, Catherine not going to Serbia is, is the first domino for her to find Travis. And we can explain why in different episodes, but we're really happy that all worked out. Congratulations to Kat and Travis. That's a little shout out for this episode. Oh, I, I love it. Love to hear it. I also wanted to mention, which we haven't talked about, but Patrick talked about hitting the vehicle, hitting our car, the one, the one evening at night. And the rest of the trip, we had to stop like every two hours to put the bumper back on the car. It kept on falling off and I would get out, put it back in on the side of the highway. Then we keep driving. And I specifically remember on the way to Ayanapo which I guess is what we're still talking about right now. I remember stopping at least once or twice so, to yeah, get out so of the that, car. That the really off. escalated. I'll just talk about that now since we're here. Ayanapa, the roads are really, like, it's just all cobblestone, pretty much stone, whatever you want to call it. So it's just very bumpy. So, like, we would put the back of the car, because it was literally just a plastic car. We put the back of the car back on just kind of very makeshift and it would last for a couple hours but then after Ayanapa it was over like it was game over we, we would get on the highway it would fall off we'd hear it scraping the the ground on the highway we'd get out Peter would put it back two more minutes same thing two more minutes same thing so we had to stop at this point so we stop at a gas station this is before we get to Limassol and I just want to say this real quick the story and I go up to the people they spoke English so there's no problem there but I was like yeah can I get some tape and they're like why, why do you need tape and I was like, I need to, I need to, my, the, the back of my car is falling off. And they were like, tape's not going to fix that. And I was like, no, trust me. Like, if you see this car, tape is going to fix that. And they sell the car and they're like, you know what? Tape is going to fix this. So yeah, they just taped the car up and it actually was perfect. Rest of the trip, that tape held. Just so you know, that that's a Ford Fiesta for you. That, that's a Ford Fiesta. Yeah, it was a Ford Fiesta. Yeah, so. So we ended up going back, I guess we didn't start with this, which we should have, but we, Cyprus is a pretty small island. Uh, so we end. We we stayed in Larnaca the whole entire time, and from there you could drive everywhere, and that's where the airport is too. That's why, especially us going back and forth to the airport three times in one day, it was pretty doable because the airport was ten minutes away. Larnaca is not that big of a city, and it is really really close to everything else. It's right on the southern side of southern central side of Cyprus, so you could always branch out and go anywhere you want. But I guess moving forward, I think we want to talk about Limassol which is what we did on our last day. Well, we went to Limassol and then we explored the rest of our beloved Larnaca finally before we actually head to Lebanon altogether. So, uh, Patrick, did you want to talk about Limassol or Phil? Phil has a nice personal connection to Limassol. I mean, yeah, I guess I could talk about my personal connection and then if Patrick wants to add anything as well. But my mom told me before this trip that she actually had to frequent Limassol, not under great conditions, but... Uh, not because of the war in Lebanon, which was ramping up. She, she would 
she went to Limassol as sort of a safe haven for a little bit until the war calmed down a little bit, I guess, the civil war in Lebanon. And she would have funny stories about crashing weddings, which, you know, I hope not, I hope I don't out her like that. But I thought that was very funny that she was in this resort and would just crash random weddings with her sister. But I guess, I mean, I would, I would do the same thing. I, I don't know that there's that much to do in terms of living in Limassol. It's a beautiful place to, to visit. And like Peter said, there's a beach almost right in the downtown of Limassol. So, uh, you know, downtown ends with, you know, its buildings and then it just go, it just goes, it shoots right into the beach, which is a, which is a beautiful beach as well. So I would say Ayanapa is definitely more of a, definitely has a more of the reputation of being the, the party beach resort town. I think Limassol is just a beach town that's become, it has its resorts, but I, I think the difference in, in the, the vibes of both cities is that Limassol is a little more established, maybe a little more I want to say, I don't want to say classy. I just want to say like, there's different, it's a home to different people. I think like maybe older tourists would go there. Like, you know, tourists in our parents' ages. I'm going to jump in there too. Limassol is also the financial center of Cyprus, especially anything to do with the ocean. Cyprus is very strategically located in the Mediterranean. um, And because of its EU status and at the same time with different special rules, it's it's kind of a, a tax haven for the EU. It's a lot easier to do business in Cyprus than it is to do in a lot of other EU countries. And, yeah, no, that's a good point. And I'm, Lima Sol is the, the base of, of that, those operations and, generally and just for the country. To, and just to show you the difference in distances, that's why um, Cyprus is such a popular destination for Lebanese people, tourists, whatever, you know, if they want to go for like a safe haven, because the island's only about 145, 150 miles away from, from Beirut. So it's it's extremely close. You know, it just makes a lot of sense. The flight is super easy. And, or, you know, Savan here with us did the flight. We questioned why he would fly from, you know, his home in New Jersey to Beirut and then back to Cyprus. But he swears that it is the easiest thing to do. We flew from Europe. So if you were coming from the States, well, it is much easier. I feel like it could be more expensive maybe because Cyprus isn't like, it's not a destination like, Paris or, or, or Beirut. So um, it may be more expensive to fly to, I don't know if they even have flights from Europe, but we had a flight from Belgrade. It was a, a one-way, we just did the one-way ticket because we were on our European trip at that point. But yeah, so I don't know if you want to talk. To jump in there, Phil, you could generally from Europe get a, a decently cheap round-trip flight to Cyprus. Most major European airlines fly there. So actually for, for Americans, if, you, if you're looking at visiting Cyprus, just fly somewhere and then take a different flight, kind of what Savan did. I mean, Savan did a crazy one going to Milan, to Beirut, then to Cyprus. But maybe if you f- take the first half of that, there's, def- there's definitely a direct flight from Milan to Cyprus, to Larnaca. So no, that's a good point. That's definitely a, a, an option. Oh, but yeah, that, that's the impressions that I guess I got. It seems like you got also, um, you know, the, it was good to know that sort of the banking capital of Cyprus and there's the different differences between Limassol and Ayanapa in that regard. And if, you know, I don't know if Patrick wanted to add anything about Limassol or Savan, but uh, we can also move on to Larnaca. Yeah, no, just real quick, I, I could say two things about this. One funny, one just opinion. Uh, Limassol is probably my favorite city in Cyprus. I just, it just, it's, I, I believe it's the second biggest city. It, it, it's just, it's really nice. It, it's just a nice port city, town, or you know, depending on where you're from, you know, you'd probably consider it small or big. And yeah, it's just very well put together. The waterfront is very nice. You have this is a whole chain of restaurants, and we ate, we ate at a really good place um, on the water. So yeah, no, it's definitely a nice city. And then on a, on a more funny note about Savan, 
at that point, because he had been wearing flip-flops the entire time, his feet were, were very shot by that point. And I remember in Limassol, he was complaining heavily about his flip-flops. And I believe he even walked barefoot in Limassol for, for like most of it. So, yeah. Yeah, I remember that as well. And Patrick, I did want to jump in there with the port. That's something that's interesting with... Uh... ...against everything I stand for. I'm sorry, Savon? Walking, walking barefoot. What is? And it's okay. really against <laughs> what I stand for. It's funny. It's what you stood on, though. Maybe it's against what you stand for, but that's what you stood yeah. on. Do you know I still have a scar from that? Really? few days. Yes, wow. I do. Well, you should get it, stronger. This is, this is really informative to our listeners. Oh, God. That has to do with you should computer. be a little more careful about whose suitcase you grab from an international airport. And maybe you want to buy a pair of sneakers. Especially at made with international airport. <laughs> Whatever. Okay, yeah, let's continue. Okay, so I just wanted to say, in, in the in the other cities of Cyprus that we went to, we didn't see a lot of new investment. But in Limassol, you could really see buildings are a lot more modern in Limassol. And you could see things were being under construction, getting renovated. Nicosia, I, you could see almost no new construction. Larnaca, you had a little... The airport in Larnaca was very nice. But the downtown area looked like they weren't going to change it. It was done maybe 40 years ago, and that's it. So Limassol is definitely where you could see new money being poured into the country. So I think that that covers a lot of what we wanted to talk about today. And Wait, you, do, we, do, we, do we want to discuss Larnaca at all? Hold on, hold on. Could Savan please say the word Larnaca for us? Larnaca. There we go. This is a uh, very nice city. What we really liked was the Church yeah. of St. Lazarus. I'd say that was the big highlight for us. That is a yes. really cool destination. For anybody... Familiar with the Bible, Lazarus is someone that Jesus raised for the dead. He ended up going to Cyprus after after Jesus died, and he lived out the rest of his days there and became the first bishop of Cyprus. I'm not sure at that time, I guess he was not a cardinal, but they called him a bishop, and he was heading the Catholic Church in Cyprus, and that's where he died a second time. And I remember that one of the nicest things is I think they have his tomb in the basement, um, and then you go into the... I mean, it's not a... But, Maybe someone can help me. I know there's like a different term for. No, I think it's a catacomb. Basement. It's not a basement. Crypt. The crypts. The crypt or catacomb. That's right. But yeah, I remember the ceilings being very, very small. And it was very, you can tell like this church is just very untouched. They left it, they left it how it is. For the most part, you walk in, the interior of the church surrounded is like that, you know, old stone. It's not like you go into many European churches and they'll have improvements, you know, the stuff that made the building. There's no, it's definitely very old and they left it that way on purpose. And then surrounding the church, there's like this little plaza. The church is in the middle of this plaza with these almost nice townhomes, different color townhomes around it with like a shop as the first floor and maybe like a residence on the second floor. There's just, it's a very beautiful area. Very beautiful area, and I'd like to add to that the church, given the, oh, the building is, is very old, but the altar is all done up also in an old style, but newer and more well-kept with the typical Greek Orthodox icons behind the altar. Very beautiful. Um, lots of gold, lots of ornateness. It's just a, it's a nice, peaceful place to go and ha holds a lot of significance to, to Christians, no matter what sect. I think Lazarus is a story that everyone knows and something that people are very familiar with. And I think we were surprised to find that out when we went there. I don't think any of us knew that we were awaiting such a experience. We took a nice picture outside that church. Oh yeah, and the old guy. We gave our, my, I gave a camera phone to, my, to an old guy. I don't think he knew that you just had to press the button once. He, I don't think he knew how it worked. 
I have on my phone still, they're on the computer now, but I think I have 70 shots of us standing in front of that church, at least 70. And then I remember we asked them, we didn't like the one picture, we asked them to take it again, and then we have another like 30 shots. So we have a lot of proof that we were at that building, to say the least. Savan, I'd like to ask you a question. Yes. How has it been uh, being on our podcast this time? I enjoyed it. I think the exchange is dynamic. And it's nice to recall what you're... You know, a lot of with these vacations, they really do fade from your memory after a while. So it's nice to recall your actual itinerary and what you've seen and experienced together. Maybe, maybe we'll invite you back again. Yeah, you'd be on there. We, we, we really would be. really would be. If you take me off this recording after, I'll say, like, other stuff. <laughs> What do you mean, take you off the recording? After we're done with the podcast, I could say... Oh. I was just going to say as a last point, the medieval fort, I remember it being like an iconic thing of the city. I, I don't know if we ended up doing it, but I don't, I don't even know what the fort is for, but it was very old. and it, I remember this. We were going to mm-hmm. go in it, and then we didn't have that much time, or we were exhausted, one of the two, and we looked, looked at it, walked in the courtyard, we're like, this is cool, and then we kept walking. Well, there we go. Definitely, if I was to go back to Larnaca, I would go in there, but we ended up not, uh, either not having enough time or being too tired to do it. It was a long trip. So, to wrap it up for today, thank you so much for tuning in to our episode on Cyprus. We'd like to give a special thanks to Savan for joining us as our first pod, uh, guest on this podcast. Please keep on listening and following us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Deezer, Podcast Attic, or wherever else you're listening to us. Please continue to give us feedback. We appreciate everything. Uh, remember to follow us on Instagram at Borders, Beers, and Bros. And feel free to email us at bordersbeersandbros at gmail.com. We understand that this episode, we did not do a beer review because of the beer in Cyprus being one, not very good, and two, very difficult to get anywhere else but Cyprus. I could drink a Carlsberg from Denmark very easy, but one from Cyprus, impossible. So, Since you're talking about it, you, you, if you remember it, you give a rating. Go I have on. a picture, actually, with Sivan at them. Keo, I remember it tasting sandy. I remember it being very bitter and... I don't know, just just lackluster in flavor, but whatever flavor was there was bitter. So I'd go with that one a three. The Carlsberg was Carlsberg, totally fine beer. I'll say a seven, eight, good lager, basic. And lastly, Leon, very similar to Keo, also was not a fan at all, giving that one a three as well. Drinkable, okay on hot days, wouldn't drink that any other time but being on a Cypress beach. But to wrap it up, once again, please follow us on Instagram at Borders, Beers, and Bros. Send us an email with any feedback at bordersbeersandbros at gmail.com. Uh, we're more than happy to answer any questions, have any episode suggestions, or whatever other feedbacks you'd like to give us. It's always immensely helpful and has already helped four more podcasts from our last episode to this one. So on that note, have a great rest of your day and drink some beer. Good night. Thank you.